Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 19th of June. India recorded more than 60,000 new COVID-19 cases and over 1,600 deaths in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally now stands at 2.98 crore, while the official figure of deaths has crossed 3.85 lakh. These figures, despite being staggering, are reported to be heavy undercounts. Kerala was the only state to report more than 10,000 infections in the last 24 hours. Globally, COVID-19 has infected more than 178 million people in the world, claiming the lives of over 3.85 million. The World Health Organization said Friday that the Delta variant of COVID-19, first detected in India, was going to become a dominant mutation globally due to its high transmissibility. WHO has also accepted Indian vaccine maker Bharat Biotech's expression of interest for the COVID-19 vaccine Covaxin. A pre-submission meeting has been scheduled for June 23, during which Bharat Biotech will get to present a summary on the overall quality of the vaccine. AIMS chief Dr. Randeep Guleria told NDTV that there is a lack in COVID-appropriate behaviour in the country since the easing of restrictions, adding that the inevitable third wave of the virus could arrive in the next six to eight weeks. The Maharashtra government will start a special COVID vaccination drive from today for those in the 30 to 45 age group. The state's health minister, Rajesh Tope, said that the central government has allowed the state to determine whom to prioritise in the 18 to 45 age group. Tope added that the vaccination drive will be held at government-run vaccine facilities. Talking about Maharashtra, while the financial capital Mumbai gets the spotlight when it comes to national reportage on the state, my colleagues Pratik, Tanishka and I travel to the less talked about parts of rural Maharashtra this month to document the impact of the second wave of the pandemic. My latest report highlights how tomato farmers in the state's Ahmednagar district were hit by not one, but two viruses during the pandemic. First, the COVID-induced lockdown closed their one and only market to sell produce, leading to record price crashes, and then a mysterious vegetable virus called CMV destroyed nearly half of their produce. To know about how this impacted them, read my ground report on newslaundry.com titled Tomato Virus and COVID Lockdown Slash Farmer Incomes in Maharashtra's Ahmednagar. I also recommend you to read our other reports from the state on our website, filed under the section Maharashtra COVID Crisis. While our team of reporters were in different states bringing you ground realities amid the pandemic in the past year and a half, News Laundry's Manisha Pandey tells you in this week's episode of TV Nuisance what a section of the media was spending its time on. As it's been one year since the death of actor Sushant Singh Rajput this week, some TV news channels who were hell-bent on proving that his death was a murder didn't even talk about it in one of their primetime debates. Even when the pandemic was raging in the country last year, instead of asking pressing questions about pandemic preparedness, these channels were busy peddling conspiracy theories about the actor's death and the usual dose of bigotry. You can catch the full episode of this week's TV Nuisance on newslaundry.com and our YouTube channel. While you're on our website, also read the analysis by Siddharth Singh on why the conspiracy theories about Sushant Singh Rajput's death might have got people gripped. It's titled, SSR Conspiracy Theory, Why It Worked and Why You May Still Believe It. And now, my listeners, I'm sure you see the difference between ad-funded sections of the media and independent media which values your time and brings you factual and accurate reportage.
News Laundry is one such news organization. So, if you want to support public funded media that strives to do its job, go to newslaundry.com today and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. Subscriptions start as low as 300 rupees a month. Indian sprinting legend Milkha Singh passed away yesterday at the age of 91 after a month long battle with COVID-19. Milkha Singh's condition turned critical last evening after developing post-COVID complications including fever and dipping oxygen saturation levels. He was admitted in the intensive care unit of a hospital in Punjab's Mohali. This came after former national volleyball captain Nirmal Kaur, wife of Milkha Singh, died last Sunday after contracting the virus at the age of 85. The athlete was a four-time Asian Games gold medalist and the 1958 Commonwealth Games champion in the 440 yards race for men. His greatest performance remains the fourth place finish in the 400 meter final of the 1960 Rome Olympics. He also represented India in the 1956 and 1964 Olympics and was bestowed with the Padma Shri in 1959. A court in Uttar Pradesh's Ghaziabad city yesterday granted interim bail to all the nine men accused of assaulting an elderly Muslim man. The incident took place in Ghaziabad's Loni area on June 5. The accused have been granted interim bail till August 17. The man identified as Abdul Samad had alleged that he was assaulted for hours after being taken to a room in a deserted area. The police had arrested the main accused Parvesh Gurjar on Sunday, June 13. Other eight accused were arrested a few days later. However, Gujjar will still stay in judicial custody in connection with another case, his lawyer Parvinder Nagar told PTI. The Ghaziabad police claimed that Gujjar and his associates assaulted Samad because he had allegedly sold them an amulet that had a negative effect on their families. The police's statement, however, was contrary to Samad's account, who had said in a video that the accused forced him to chant Jai Shri Ram when he was praying to Allah while being beaten up. A video of the assault has been circulating on social media since last Sunday. It shows the accused thrashing the man and cutting off his beard. Supreme Court judge Justice Indira Banerjee has withdrawn herself from hearing a case pertaining to the post-poll violence in Bengal in which BJP workers were allegedly killed. According to Times of India, at the outset when a petition filed by Biswajit Sarkar, kin of a deceased Bengal BJP worker, was called before a bench of Justices Banerjee and M.R. Shah, she said that she could not hear the case without specifying any reason. Due to Justice Banerjee's withdrawal, the case will now be sent to another bench. The Supreme Court had earlier sought a reply from the Bengal government in this regard. In its response, the state had said that the filed petitions were politically motivated and wanted them dismissed. The state also claimed that every act of violence after elections cannot be called post-poll violence. Families of others allegedly killed in the violence had also approached the court asking for a CBI probe. India yesterday abstained from voting on a United Nations General Assembly resolution on Myanmar stating that its views were not reflected in the draft of the resolution. The UN General Assembly adopted the draft resolution called The Situation in Myanmar with 119 member countries voting in favor including Myanmar. 36 nations abstained from voting including India. Six other neighbors of Myanmar namely Bangladesh, Bhutan, China, Laos, Nepal and Thailand also abstained. Russia also chose not to vote. The UN resolution expressed grave concern at the February 1 military coup in Myanmar after which hundreds of protesters have been killed in a military crackdown. 
It called for the immediate and unconditional release of Myanmar's President Win Mint, State Councillor Aung San Suu Kyi, and other government officials and politicians detained or arrested. The resolution called to stop the flow of ammunition into the Southeast Asian country. India said it did not believe in the resolution, which according to it was tabled hastily. India's permanent representative to the UN, Ambassador T.S. Trimurthy, said, and I quote, This resolution was tabled in the UN General Assembly in a hasty manner without adequate consultations with neighbours and regional countries. This is not only unhelpful but may also prove counterproductive to the efforts of the ASEAN to find a solution to the current situation in Myanmar. Unquote. ASEAN is the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Some of its members are Brunei, Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, Malaysia and Myanmar, with India as a member of the extended group. India's decision to not vote comes at a time when many citizens of Myanmar have taken refuge in the northeast Indian state of Mizoram, escaping the violent crackdown in their country. According to reports, at least 15,500 Burmese citizens have taken refuge in Mizoram as of May 2020. Many more are expected to arrive as the violence escalates with the military declaring a one-year emergency. In Iran's 13th presidential election today, Ibrahim Raisi, the hardline head of the country's judiciary, was elected the new president after his three main rivals congratulated him for his victory. Preliminary results showed that Raisi had secured 17.8 million votes, 14.5 million more than his nearest rival. With 90% of the votes counted at the time of recording this podcast, Iranian officials said that a total of 28.6 million people cast their votes this year. 60-year-old Resi, who is a Shiite cleric facing US sanctions for alleged human rights abuses, was widely expected to win the election, owing to support from the country's supreme leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. The outgoing president, Hassan Rouhani, congratulated the elected president without naming him, adding that while his official congratulation would be delayed, it was clear who received the votes. With Resi's victory, all arms of the country's government will now come under the grip of conservatives. Before I wrap up, listeners, I'd like to recommend you two latest ground reports on Newslaundry.com. My colleagues Ayush and Basant are in Ayodhya to report on the land deals of the Ram Temple Trust, which are getting murkier by the day with new revelations. In the first ground report, Ayush and Basant showed how two individuals involved in the land deal, where a piece of property was sold at a highly inflated price of 18.5 crore, are actually fraudsters who are currently absconding. How did these people transfer property to the Ram Temple Trust in the presence of the mayor of Ayodhya? To know, read the full ground report titled, Exclusive, Why Did the Ram Temple Trust Cut Deals with Absconding Fraudsters? Talking about the mayor of Ayodhya, who is a member of the BJP, Ayushan Basant's new ground report filed today shows how the mayor's nephew bought land for 20 lakh, sold it to the Ram Temple Trust for 2.5 crore. Read the full report on newslaundry.com. That's all the news we have for you today. Hold on during these distressing times. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.